Welcome to On Film, a podcast which delves into the lives and work of film professionals as they tell us who they are, what they do, and their journeys within the film industry. I am Adya Shah. Today we have Aarti Kadav on film. Aarti Kadav is a writer and director. She's written and directed her first feature, Cargo, a Hindi science fiction film which stars Vikrant Massey and Shweta Tripathi. The film is currently streaming on Netflix. She's also made several short films such as Time Machine and Uspar with her newest one 55 kilometers per second currently streaming on Disney Plus Hotstar. She's also the founder of Short Film Window, a space which provides access to various short films. So Aarti, hi, thank you so much for doing this. Um I just want to start off with um start off with your beginnings essentially so what was your relationship to films like when you were a kid or when you were growing up I uh, grew up in Nagpur which was a very middle class setup of really focused on studies and so and all exposure to films that I had growing up was like the theaters around the house so you know primarily bollywood but i was always fascinated i was fascinated by the theater environment i was fascinated by the idea of motion pictures so and i was also pa- pa- fascinated about storytelling so of all the films that always i ended up liking were had to do with some sort of fantasy some you know so i always had that uh, but yeah it was essentially bollywood I think it was only much later when the whole cable TV came in and earlier in my life I never had access to it because again my household was so focused on studies I remember the early ones early films that came on star movies were all these cool films like terminator alien and I was like just blown over like you know what is this like or I remember matrix was one film I don't know how I ended up seeing I think we just got a you know we used to get those CDs that we could pirate and you know see films so in those one of those pirated cds i saw matrix so i was really fascinated by those but my foundation was quite essential bollywood okay that's very interesting because i think the films that you're also making now are not really mainstream bollywood yes. so um, i also wanted to know when was the idea of first of all when was the idea of um directing first introduced to you did you always want to be a director Uh so uh, actually I discovered filmmaking as a medium of expression when I got myself a camera so I was actually shooting things and I think when I was editing stuff and when I was juxtaposing you know different uh, images and you know being able to tell stories which was more than that I was figuring out a new language and I was finding that whole process very attractive very immersive for me like it was challenging it was like solving a puzzle so my i ended up into filmmaking more as an editor in general like because i enjoy editing a lot i love wrestling with footage in general but i was still doing it at a very amateur level i would be shooting like 2 minute 3 minute videos or you know shooting my friends and you know them saying something but like uh, you know cutting it with different images just to make it funny like how you do as, when your kids uh, like not kids but i still young <laughs> but yeah I, yeah I, so and then i started telling two 2 minute 3 minute 5 minute stories and then i graduated to a 20 minute story which i made as a short film and the whole process of actually capturing it and making it was amazing for me and it was like you know again such an amateur job because i was the one with the handicap you know i was talking to actors there's nobody else me and just the actors because i thought that's all is required and director doubled up as cameraman 
and sound guy and then later on you know you're sitting with it and you're editing it and you're creating it so i was like really enjoying that and uh, uh, yeah so then when i made that i knew that this was something that i had to explore more so i actually really approached all the mediums of uh, filmmaking very uh, you know together like but eventually directing was the one that i felt that see uh, like yeah i can give inputs to editor I, but you need specialists for these for your films to be well made rather directing was something as a good generalist a director is always a very good generalist so that came very naturally to me from there to here yeah i think it's it's very fascinating to sort of um hear that you have approached things all together so it's like you've tried a bit of camera you've tried a bit of editing and that's how yes. maybe you approached direction so what i wanted to know is um i mean i also sort of read that you've done engineering and you worked at microsoft for a bit and then you got into filmmaking so at what point did you sort of um make that leap to doing engineering and how did that transition to filmmaking yeah so engineering came is like it was i was part of that you know conveyor belt of you know this middle class nakpo kids where you are doing well in studies 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 and you either get admission either in medicine or in engineering and i was actually a very good student so i in fact my 12th mark sheet was something like i had 100 in maths 100 in physics like you know the 12th maharashtra board mark sheet so i was very so it was at that point for me to say hey i'm not good and i always had artistic inclinations but it was never taken seriously especially because my mother's side everybody was either teacher or doctor my father's side everybody was engineer so even to say that you are inclined towards art would look like you know what's wrong with you and they would always say but you can pursue it as a hobby not as a profession so uh, and uh, at that point i mean i was i really bought into it because you're in such an impressionable age you feel yes i have to do this but i always i never uh, took to engineering i i was fascinated by programming i still really like coding and i love uh, you know constructing those kind of worlds but so that's why i chose engineering over medicine because i was at least coding was giving me some joy see we are like one of those middle class kids like if we can hustle and do well in whatever we do like even if we don't like it because we say okay, okay we don't like it but this is our duty to work study and this is our duty to do so you know i was that kind of student so i did all that and i got a good job and getting microsoft us after studying in india was itself at that point a good gig to get because you know if you studied in india and you got, got not in microsoft india but you are actually directly being shipped to seattle so it was a great thing and it was also a lovely experience for me because i've always been in it i'd never actually traveled on a plane till i was actually traveling in micro you know going to microsoft and i had my own apartment suddenly you know i was riding a cycle and suddenly i was like oh now i have to choose which car to buy like you know things like that so that was such a lovely experience it was a very fairy taleish kind of experience for me as a student but it all that started settles down right all that you know joy of going to abroad all that joy of money settles down and then you start examining what are you doing every day and then i used to really think like you know i would go back to matrix reference and i would say that maybe from monday to friday i am that cell who is like you know working working hard and enjoying on weekends and weekends was the was the time when i was actually you know i bought myself a camera and i used to you know write a lot i used to maintain a blog which was 
like 10 years ago very popular among the nris because it was a girl and you know talking about those things so that's when i was connecting to people and i was liking i was feeling that that's where i'm being myself 100% and all that 5 years is a rent i pay to you know earn those two days of religious freedom of shooting my whatever i want to do or writing whatever i want to do and but then you realize that like this can't go on forever in 10 years i would probably burn out doing that and i should probably learn filmmaking properly and it was just a leap of faith i think i just felt at that point but at that point it was not common sense it was just that whole you know you so much overpowered by the desire to learn filmmaking and it's so attractive it was so attractive to for me it was just that i was in i was like i'm in love with this i have to try this otherwise i'll regret it for the rest of my life and i then took a switch i went to a film school and when i explored the whole you know the and that's when i was actually introduced to world cinema and filmmakers who really spoke to me like i i i used to like all the filmmakers i used to like the madness component in all of those filmmakers and i was like you can't be like that in your real life like you know but in your films you can be so many people when your stories you are writing and it was so attractive to me so that's when i was like okay i'm not never going back to software i'm going to be a filmmaker and just yeah hustle it through work hard let's see yeah okay nice um but this madness component that you mentioned what is that yeah i mean uh, i think it's a uh, yeah that's a good question actually but so for me i mean it's always i for me in my films i always like having windows of you know i always see like for example even the like there's a small shot which we made very remotely which was at 55 km which is just coming out but in that what was more attractive to me was not the researching the meteor and which belt it could come or the physics of it or how it will fall will it fall in pieces or will it... so that's the physics of it that you research and you study and you put in any sci-fi film but for me the madness was that people trying to go for bunkers and you know the bunkers are collapsing and then you know in that people are trying to you know so the i the the human reaction to any extreme situation and you know we are not logical when we are actually faced with real crisis we actually be you know all our instincts come out all our uh, inner uh, those things come out and i think that was like uh, uh, that is important for me to show in my films i feel the realism like a lot of people say that in cargo they see the spaceship nothing about the spaceship was real but it feels real only because of the madness of it like yeah, that everybody has that you feel are so consistent about that you know it just starts feeling real so i always feel that you know the maza wala part like where you are like not thinking about the rules is like what i really enjoy like where you i am like you are going mad like completely ki ha let's put this let's yeah yeah so um i like the fact that you've mentioned this thing about rules it's something that i also wanted to touch upon regarding exploring science fiction in film which you have done through cargo you have done through time machine and now you're also doing it through 55 kilometers per second so what i wanted to know is now these rules that are there um are they are you referring to rules as tropes are they those set kind of things within the genre that you actually absolutely have to include yeah so i think whenever you make a science fiction uh, one is the logic in which the world works and one is the internal logic of the film and i feel like when you're making a science fiction film like eventually there's nothing you are putting in there is made up of stone right everything anyways is sand like you know you're basically 
taking this idea from here this idea from there but you when you're putting it together you have to think that this is stone like you know idea is that like you know you have to believe in this if i have now said that this guy has powers now i have to be very consistent about it that in puberty people are getting powers like for example in cargo now everybody will have like even the guy who's like the dullest guy who's sitting you know even he will have it you know so uh, i think the rules when when you enter a sci-fi or fantasy world the rules you come up with the only rule you have to follow then is that it has to be consistent in the universe of that film i think that is what you have to be make you have to make sure it need not be consistent with the real world and that's what i like like i mean of course i can do my research and take things from real world and put in here because always you know the kernel of every fant- fantasy will always be something rooted in reality only mm-hmm. then it is very exciting so the kernel is always reality but on that you're putting layers and layers of fantasy and you have to just it should not be irrational i mean with it it can be rational to begin with but by the end of it it should make sense so i think that i find very exciting yeah so yeah so this is um then this is purely in getting into world building which i find yes. which is very cool because i think with um yeah cargo at least i know that you've created this entire world where there are humans and there are rakshas and you know they have let's say they have come together in a way where they're living in some sort of harmony and yeah. um, there's a very interesting mythological element to cargo yeah and like you said there's also it is rooted in the real world at least with regards to you know the way bureaucracy works or the yes. way gender yes. dynamics work that's so rightly uh, you know it's so cool that you identified that because i feel that the bureaucracy that we recognize in our day to day lives being there on the spaceship was the bigger triumph of cargo the over the rakshas world like you know the bureaucracy was what made it very indian you know the environment of the spaceship felt indian because of that like the way nitya servers interacting with yuvishkar and all so i think that was what is making making an indian more than the rakshas part that is like a, okay but i think the bureaucracy was like at the heart of it yeah so, so how did cargo come about what was how did that how did what was the initial idea for it and how did it become what it is right now so uh, it was very cool because this the very recently we were discussing and i know the cargo initial idea the one line that came to me was what if there's a man who lives alone in a spaceship and everybody who dies comes there and he's just been doing transitioning transitioning for them like he makes them go through this 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 process he sends them off for rebirth and he does that he meets this like you know loads of passenger but at the end of the day he's a very lonely guy so that was the first one line of the cargo that was there and you know uh, and i started from there and then i was trying to build story around it like you know and for, uh, first actually first uh, version of cargo had a love story where he was he fell in love with a cargo and transition and then she dies something like that the first was that and a lot of my team was very attached to it when we said ki no no it's not working because it was not working because it was becoming illogical emotionally it was stronger but like it was illogical that how is cargo this that like you know so then i was like no like just one girl with this coming and then let's talk about a job like that will present what is it that disillusion that guy let it you know uh, 
let it eclipse this girl also and let her then emerge from it let this guy help her emerge from it and then maybe that could be the basis of the story so that's how we were developing it so it was essentially but the core was that let there be a spaceship with busy busy with people coming if budgets would have allowed i would have made it a very busy spaceship and with this guy at the end of the day feeling the quietness the stillness of the environment after you know the whole parties or all the people have left so yeah that was the one line okay and um regarding you also mentioned just now budgets so what yeah. were the budgetary constraints that you faced and like you said it's also now i think directly impacted story so what other elements did the budgetary constraints impact no uh, it uh, basically cargo was made in a very shoestring budget in fact we had uh, like you know it's lesser than what you would even expect a a film that you go and shoot in a village is like it's even lesser than that so we were hustling we were getting these for these many days that for these many days and just putting it together so like you know uh, in fact the budget was as less as possible like jahan pe bhi kaat sakte ho kaat do well like well that was the idea like you know uh, so it impacted every department for sure uh, uh the good thing was uh, because we were so conscious of budget we did extreme pre production so that was a thing that was a plus because the pre production so we were like okay ek hi costume dete hain hero heroine ko we don't have to change it 20 times like you know so then we are coming up with uniforms and then so those things were like very interesting like or we were thinking how to uh, you know use the spaceship properly like you know so things like that so uh, uh, or reuse the spaceship so those were very interesting uh, solutions that we were coming up with but in general every department like the costume department was impacted production design i think when you're working on low budget one is of course you are talking about things that show up on the screen but my thing is like when you're working on low budget as a director there's lot of pressure for you on things that are behind the scene as well which you should not have ideally for example uh, 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 like you know your 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 team is smaller so there's a lot of pressure the biggest other challenge is the number of days you get to shoot like that it directly comes from the budget and when you have working on a um, story which we send in a spaceship you know it needs time to light it needs time to get things right like you know uh, the shots take time to get right so you cannot quickly just take and run like these are properly blocked shots so do, so then you are basically cutting down a number of shots you are taking per day so lot of things impact behind the scenes which nobody shows but it impacts the film like you know you can't i always say that whatever is affecting you during filmmaking will show in the film because uh, the inventor shows in the invention the state of mind of the inventor will show in the invention so you know uh, we tried to cover a lot during the edit like we had a whole sequence chunk which we couldn't shoot like you know which was like right in the middle so we you will never know that we never shot it so those things were always there so yeah how did you end up um, finding producing partners for this one thing was that i had decided that i'll make this with no matter what like whether i had money or not and i i jumped into it i signed up for all the constraints myself when i jumped into it and uh, everybody who came in like whether it was uh, um, whistling with support or whether as who came in as co-producers or shlok and navin fundamental pictures who came in as producers they all knew me and they all knew my struggle for a while so they knew i was not uh, like just trying to do something uh, with 
and they all had seen time machine they all knew that i could deliver so i, I in fact i was very blessed that all these people told me that I, we don't know in fact this very clear words that shloka said that i don't know what you're making but whatever you're doing we want to be part of it and we'll help you finance it and that's the same thing rahul puri had said and that's how and actually i worked with those people who showed that confidence in me and it was i was also worried with that confidence because obviously when someone believes in you so much you also want to deliver you and you want to make life great for them like you know for showing that faith such because in this industry nobody kind of shows that kind of faith that whatever you're making will support you they all say what is the synopsis what is the script what is this can you have some creative input like you know but they were like whatever you're making we are going to be part of it and i think that made a huge difference and that's how i also identify my partners people who know that we are working very hard we are working very sincerely and they want to help us make it better like you know i i mean it's it's a nice way to choose partners yeah <laughs> no that's good and i've sort of been familiar with this entire um the way the film and industry works where they're not going to put in they're not going to really believe in your vision immediately so yeah i also wanted to i'll first of start off by also asking you about um your short films because you had also said that your producing partners were familiar with your previous work so yeah. when you're also going from a short film space to a feature film space what is that transition like uh i think uh, yeah so i worked on short films of dif- different lengths like right from 3 minutes to 20 minutes to 40 minutes which i thought was you know made me ready for a feature film because a 40 minute is literally like you know 30 40 minutes short of a feature film but the whole game changes the moment you're on the set saying that it's a feature when you're on a short film right everybody is a like the energy is um little bit more relaxed you know first of all as a director you're carrying a bigger film in your head when you're shooting the film and you're also uh, for example a short film would be taking 10 days to shoot which is see i think 10 to 15 days anybody can shoot very happily it's when you are shooting for 30 35 days is when the challenges start coming through or whatever challenge with its financial challenges or challenges of team come team uh, you know uh, team relationship all that comes in in the last 5 10 days because that's when everybody is stressed and you know, then all that pretense also drops that okay i have to please anyone so the the moment you jump from a feature uh, from a short to feature you see all these real challenges i think the budget wise everything changes like the sound uh, the the post budget especially really changes when you go from short to feature and even overall so the 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 stress on you is a lot more when you are doing a feature like as a director than when you are doing a short so that's why i like short because short is even if you fail or whatever it is meant for a, it's a it's a it's a playground to play in. like you know shorts you should actually do things where you should fail sometimes because you are experimenting by definition and feature if you fail the 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 cost of failure is very high for everyone like for your producer for you you know for your actors so you have to be a lot more cautious you have to be a lot more worried and like you know overall if i ended up following the same processes because when i was when i used to make my shot i used to really worry the same thing ki yaar kharab nahi hona chahiye you know should be perfect 
but at the uh, at the time of feature the stress was a little more like overall the overall responsibility everything was little extra so it just felt like a very different experience than a short short was like okay i'm going i'm having fun like you know but feature i was like okay this this, this has to be right and stuff like that. so yeah it sounds like there's a so it sounds like there's so much riding on this feature so i yeah. think now your crew is also would be slightly bigger than a short the the amount yes. of footage also shooting would be more also i yeah. think um there's also a, there is vfx work that i which is clear in cargo so um how do you go about sort of writing and then doing pre production keeping vfx in mind and then after that what was also your post process like so i have uh, uh, like you know i have always had lot of passion for vfx and animation in general so i'm kind of i have uh, dabbled with it i have i myself wanted to do stop motion at some point I, and you know i went through a phase where i was like i'll only do stop motion animation as my films and stuff like so i and i used to do it at home like take pictures and move things and stuff like that so i have a little bit of domain knowledge in that so i understand the costing requirements or the complexity of any vfx piece i put in like you know so and so it's a blessing and it's a curse because blessing because then you know that when you're writing in your writing it in you know that okay this can be achieved in this must cost or you know uh, the curse is that like sometimes when you want to go wild you are like that knowledge kind of prevents you from going wild yaar ye kaise karenge like you know those worries start taking over so uh, so when i am writing it i am very much aware of that these portions is going to be vfx and these are the things and i know that eventually the vfx should not be more than 10 minutes you know if you take all the shots together so i'm very aware of that i i calculate and put it in even when we were shooting i knew that if a see uh, cargo was like there were a lot of green screens but we were very careful that all green screens are only on one angle so you know so when i my shot so basically if i'm shooting from for all four sides that only 25% of shots for that scene will require vfx the 75% we can you know need not uh, go for a vfx so these were the things that i was very careful was even when we were designing set and i was planning it out the post was like yeah uh, the post of cargo was always very uh, it was very long because i think uh, so vfx also was of two three types one was the vfx which was creative where we had to do the animation and put it put the animation there the second were designing the screens and we wanted to have a very uh, uniform language for that like so we designed the screens uh, uh, like all together and then like you know some in fact we designed more screens than what you have seen in the film but that was like so the guy who designed the screen was different than the guy who was pasting the screen like you know so the pipeline was very confusing because i was talking to four five types different people at the same time and then there was the cg aspect where we were doing the spaceship and the cgi team like earlier we started with someone else but it was just not working out and then we worked with someone else you know so that was also a process so and we also realized that management of those shots like because of course the vfx shots come in but they will all come in like a bunch and then we have to put it in our timeline so they we, the management of it because there were so many of shots like you know 60 70% of the film was like you know good amount of vfx Uh, or the sh- uh, shots were like that uh, you know the management became and none of us had the experience of managing it like to confirm like you know how to so how to label the shots and give and you know what documents should be maintained for it 
so that i thought that was a new thing that we came up with that like you know basically the management aspect which we never think that like how do you manage shots but that was always a challenge because it was coming from this place that place this place was doing only half so there was one shot like the, there's this vikrant that zoom zoom out shot which is like you know where we saw the entire sh- spaceship that was being done by like forty four people at the same time you know uh, and it was like all this one guy was uh, because in the if you will see in the film the set will never give me allowance to zoom out till there right or there will only be space of going till yeah. there so there is some guy who was doing this and creating this the other guy was the cgi team who was creating the rest of the spaceship and things like that so it was also very complicated it was a shot that like till the end we couldn't get it right like so i also realized that like there's always will be this 20% of shots that will be bothering you till the end like you know you keep they'll take most of the time 80% of time and the 80% of vfx is very cool like you know karo karo dalo like you know so those were the things um, uh another thing that i could talk about was like even the screens where you see nitya and chaitanya so those were all like konkana all these were shot separately and added on the tv later so if we didn't just paste the shot as is like in fact we also did a treatment on the way those uh, screens appear so they we did the rgb layering and separated it out and stuff like that so so that it looks like it's a old tv footage so that also what two team involved one team was doing the separation and providing the footage and other guy was pasting it so so you know so our job was to make sure he pasted in the right screen the management like even with all that management there were errors so there was er- so those things were all there but yeah they were all behind the scenes but it was like yeah it was little non trivial the vfx of cargo especially yeah so what were your other learnings then like if vfx is let's say one big learning as to learning how to manage things what were your other learnings which maybe you can use for your next projects um i think my biggest learning is always that like the more you do pre production the more you ta- more time you give before the film it is always will be you know add up it will it will have a, it will add up till the end like not just during the shoot it will add up even during the post uh, like for example there was some stuff that we designed uh, like for example the newspapers that prahasta sees or whatever is there we had designed it in the pre production and we just put it in the ipad so it i you know vfx ka one thing gone and it always those shots vfx were always even in the post they looked better than when you paste it like but that's just one of the examples but i think the good planning till the end planning till the end of post because now when you make a sci-fi heavy film for me the shoot is no more the main aspect of uh, making a sci-fi film i think it's just one of a very smaller and easier process the post is where like lot of you know uh, things happen uh, so i mean like you know the shoot is uh, the portion you shoot is just an input for your edit and for your vfx that's how i started seeing the film uh, so getting the footage is like a like earlier you would feel that when you once you have shot you have made the film but as like that's where you started with the film like actually so that was what i realized so i always felt a good planning a good script is always will always help i think for me most learning for cargo was more at the narrative level based on whatever i was uh, uh, getting feedback on and stuff like that uh, and i got very diverse feedback like you know and i got like and i am very happy that like 
people outside India really like cargo because I still get calls from them and I still get messages from them. I knew that like it's not a typical Indian film for everybody to like, but I still could felt that there were few things we already had in our footage which we could put, which could have made it more wider for a lot of people. That's what I felt. So that was my biggest learning at narrative level, essentially. Uh, but yeah, that was there. And yeah, and I think the other was on team management. Like um, before this, I was very uh, about, you know, if a team member was not performing well, I would, I was a little impatient in general with a team member. Now, uh, post cargo, I've learned a lot of patience in uh, mentoring people. Like I think I've developed massive patience because I think one is, of course, a skill set a person brings to the table, but the other is the desire to learn and desire to, you know, improve and do good. And if I see that desire in the person, I'm okay with a person being like uh, initially not, uh, you know, well-versed. During pre-production for Cargo, did you know for sure who you wanted on your team? Like, were there certain people who were absolute like, oh, I have to get this person? And were I there think, any new uh, players who you got introduced so in fact, to? Uh, yeah, Cargo has up to six to seven newcomers. So there are a lot of new players. Uh, but I was very clear, uh, even if I was not clear on the person, I was very clear on the skill set because okay. I was very skill set focused also. Like, you know, and I'm still a little bit because for sci-fi, you need, uh, see sci-fi, if it breaks, right, it will become a joke. Like, you know, if you don't buy the universe of sci-fi, the whole film will fall apart. Like every other efforts will go down the drain. So for me, the skill set was very important. And uh, uh, like, for example, uh, uh, and I knew I wanted people who could give time and energy to it. For example, uh, when I was looking for cinematographer, I was not looking for a seasoned guy who would say, Ki, Acha, 30th se, uh, you know, first se 20th tak shoot hai, so I'm free five days before that. I needed a guy who could give it that time, that pre-production. So that way I was very blessed that I got caution who was just fresh from the film school, eager to like, you know, give that time and he had hit space and time. I think in future films, even he will not have that time that I need from him for the pre-prod because you know, having a DOP throughout the pre-prod available to take decisions on colors, take decisions on costume was a big plus for me, you know, rather than him just showing up on like last few days to just shoot the film. Like, and uh, we also had two, three levels of short breakdown, which really helped us because as I said, we worked under so many constraints that uh, we had to really innovate last minute. Like, you know, you know, in fact, like some days, like, you know, we were told that last three days of shoot are just taken away and our schedule had planned for last three days. So now we had to accommodate last three days in this existing days, you know, of shoot. So having that uh, intense pre-prod with a cinematographer and having that relationship really helped in, you know, uh, innovating on the spot and making it happen. So that was a plus. So and uh, production designer, I was very sure that I didn't want a new production designer. I wanted a seasoned one because of finish and uh, that was very important. I think every team should be in general a mix of new and old. New people will bring in a lot of freshness. For example, my music director was new and he was he used to design music for games. So he brought in a lot of freshness in the music. But my sound designer was very seasoned, Anish John, and like he's the best in what he does. And I think that kind of like really for me worked like, you know, having a mix of uh, uh, new and old, like, yeah. Also, I think with regard to your cast, I think I want to know at what point did Vikrant Massey and Shweta Tripathi, what 
at what point did they come in and did you always want them for these roles yes uh, so i had uh, i had my eyes on vikram masi for a longest time though i was not sure if he would do this film because you know as i said we were do, starting with such a shoestring outlook that like you know whoever does it would would have been happier shweta i knew because i'd met her before and stuff like that uh, and uh, i'd quite liked her energy i thought she was very intelligent and very bright uh, and and at that point she was the only actress i was i had access to and so i in fact when i was writing the story uh, i wrote it with her in mind so the first draft of cargo had the character's name only as shweta so and uh, i because and then i saw the film with her so for me it was non negotiable that i go for someone else because at that point i was just seeing her when i was writing the film uh, and then we were looking for a male guy and we couldn't decide whom and the shweta just then had started with mirza mirzapur and she said there's this very brilliant actor i'm working with vikrant i said i know vikrant but will he do this she said what's harm in trying so we just go, went and spoke to him and vikrant just did it so it was lovely yeah so i wanted to know also if you're working with a cast which let's say doesn't have any experience in working in sci-fi like a genre like this so how do you go about pitching the film to them and or talking them through the world yeah so uh, actually yeah and that's a very good again observation because not just the cast even the crew was like you know as i said crew the post guys we were not used to working such a sci-fi heavy film so we it was induction by fire for all of us but as far as the cast is concerned for me i think the only thing that worked and i think it worked with shweta was that i just gave the screenplay i said you read and you tell me will it work for you and when we met vikram so because i'm not a very uh, good narrator of my own ideas because i get lost in the details when i'm telling the story like you know so i i and maybe screenplay is a good document for me to communicate my story so i tried to give them uh, stories but i always was ready with my 5 minute pitch like of what the story is about and i always used to say there is a spaceship that comes close to earth every morning and the cargoes come in and they are the people who have died on earth so they, at least they would be intrigued enough to go and read this script so i would always be telling them the story i said then the story is about like what happens in the spaceship and then i want you to read this script yeah that's great i feel because it 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 sounds like actually such an easy process then if they are yeah. automatically if they just if they have read the script and they just get it yes 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 so i i actually lucked out because i've had a, you know i had tried to make another film where it was not that that smooth in spite of having a production house the process were not smooth and i think it always worked in all this you know with cargo the pitch was always different the pitch was like i'm shooting this in jan this is the one line and this is the screenplay i think it always makes a difference when you also have a very clear deadline that you anyway clear you very clear in your intent ki i'm shooting this in jan i thought that was making lot of difference because they said ki acha jan mein ek mahine ka shoot hai anyway new year se nikal ke kuch kaam nahi karte to chalo ek film kar lete hain like you know that was with lot of actors i'm not talking about leads because they were anyways insanely always busy and lot of things happening for them and for them it's a bigger stake doing a film you know because if the film is not good it kind of impacts their career and stuff like that but for the rest of the people it was like it's okay jan first month theek hai like you know the pre production is end of the december where anyways people are just celebrating christmas and stuff so we are doing pre production then jan we are shooting and that's it like you know so i think that kind of also helped a lot 
yeah in terms of i think just the themes of the film it's very philosophical there is a lot of dialogue about reincarnation death life forgetting remembering so i wanted to know how where does this all stem from is it from films you've watched is it from things you have read so yeah yeah so i always have had some obsession with you know um, death in general as because i feel the finiteness of life makes gives it lot more meaning like you know the fact that we know our time is limited then it kind of you know you can't do everything then you have to choose things you want to do and i've had my share of existential crises in my life where i wondered what is the purpose of my life you know and things like that so all my films to certain extent uh, is like you know uh, try to examine that it's not that i have clear answers i think my films are a way of for me to asking more questions on that so like in cargo like what she asks you know yushka ki kisi bhi cheez ka kya matlab it's a question you always wonder like if you're all going to die then what is the what is the meaning of anything and somewhere for me it is um, philosophically i believe that like you know forever is not in living forever but forever is in those very real connections you make with people and it could be just few seconds of connections but that is sometimes more forever than like you know having like a long life and stuff like that so that's where somewhere i try to arrive at and cargo in general you know the first draft for cargo was not at all philosophical it was all fun and games till the end but i was i also felt it was you know if you're telling a story about what happens to people on the death and if you don't examine the purpose of life then you're not doing justice to uh, that story you have to examine what is the meaning of life what is and you have to give hope through that because die, it's always good to laugh at all those deaths but there is a tragedy to it also right that all these lives got cut short mid you know uh, whatever like so that was my always the goal that if you t- t- telling a story like this and i think cypher always is a very good mechanism to make your philosophical question storyable like you know i think cypher is the best vehicle for that so i felt that it's always the genre also demands it like that we kind of go in those layers uh, and give it those you know little foundation those depths like yeah so prasanna and i were also talking about cargo and we also realized that there is some sort of a seeing similarity with other films like there is let's say hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy then moon yeah. then yeah but well, the funny part is like yeah I, if I, I only sci-fi book i haven't read is hitchhiker guides to galaxy so i and i have uh, and you know and it's book i missed reading and whenever my uh, co-writers expect i would fake and say ha ha maine padhi hai like you know because i was too embarrassed to admit that i haven't read but now i'm very intrigued to read it what you seeking saying about moon is so true because moon was very much a moon's a space when you, when you speak of space as a character which becomes a very important thing uh, especially if you are talking about single location film moon was my biggest reference to my production designer but i i said ki ye bhi kar liya because the budget my production designer had was a fraction of the guy that moon had i said ye bhi kar liya but thoda colors ke sath karenge to maza aayega like you know like and thoda sa us uh, clunky karna hai matlab wo bahut sharp hai wo sharp to we won't be able to achieve so the clunkier version clunkier and colorful version of moon so that was there and which other films like yeah so moon was a very clear reference so you i mean there's no wonder you felt that there was similarity and what else 
<laughs> no, no, I just wanted to ask you in terms of what were the things you read or watched or referenced? Okay. So, yeah, these were the things. But uh, so I started whenever I reference any sci-fi, I begin with the reality. So I always begin with, you know, a lot of uh, ref- uh, lot of research from NASA and in ISRO spaceships and stuff like that. Like, you know, in fact, like if you see outside in Pushpak 64, the Pushpak is written in Hindi because all Indian spacecrafts have their names written in Hindi, not English. Yeah. You know, so things like that. Uh, even the room. But then when I saw the reality, only thing I carried over from NASA and ISRO was the uniforms, the badges. You can actually, you can search for the NASA space uniform and you will see Brasta uniform. One-on-one, you'll find correspondence of badges. So they have like 20 badges of 20 companies. So that kind of, actually, that uh, researching for that costume actually informed my story because then I started having two, three companies. Then you also think that one company is space space. One company is for the maintaining of relationship with government. One is the private firm. You know, that is that has some investment in it. So, you know, things like that. So, that, I started a lot of research from reality. Uh, then we researched all the, uh, like I had a wonderful AD, Aditya Pawar, who did very extensive referencing of like, you know, gravity and few films. And from there, he was suggesting that this we can use, this we cannot use. See, a lot of things we anyways couldn't use because... Uh, of the budget constraints, but free things we could use. For example, gravity may Clooney's writing with pencil on a pad of paper. So that we could use like, you know, things like that. So that's how we came to it. And I mean, from there, I came to an idea that we could have interesting looking printouts that she refers or he refers, which makes it look like these guys are talking about like uh, real stuff, like, you know, things like that. So from here and there, we picked up stuff like, yeah, and knobs and stuff was like a very star, uh, you know, Star Wars, Star Trek universe, the table, central table with knobs and lights and stuff that we took from there, you know. So, like, but it was all mixed match and then there was something of our own also because we had proper design of the spaceship and I was very sure I wanted to make it colorful and retro. So that was, and clunkier. Like, I didn't want it to be perfect, you know. I, I, I hated that. Like, moon spaceship only issue I had with was it is a perfect spaceship and Every mechanism wears out over a period of time. So I just wanted to make sure that it's, it is falling apart in places like, yeah. That's very interesting to listen to because that um, the quirkiness and the fact that it is retro, it really jumps at you when you're watching it. It's because yeah. it's, um, I feel there's so much more to discover. Like, because yeah. in terms of the fact that even if you have a spaceship, let's say of a certain kind of, with a certain kind of interior, you have this 80s looking sort of CRT monitor that they have where they talk to Nitya through. And it's in terms of that, I just found it very interesting how you have this one thing here that is, you know, it's, it's different. It's not necessarily fitting in with everything else, but it's, it's lens so much. It makes it feel not just real, but I think just more interesting. Yes, yes, yeah. This is where the madness comes in, what we uh, began with, like, you know, the madness part of it, like, yeah. yeah. And it's somewhere also, I think, fitting in with the rules of the world, I guess. Yeah. Because to what I've seen is very difficult, I think, to do is to fit everything in, to apply yeah. a logic to everything. So, yeah. I think in that respect, I think you've done it very well, where everything fits perfectly. 
Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, the full yeah full uh, credit to the team. It's like the clumsy team made a clumsy spaceship. Like you know, and that was fun. Like yeah, <laughs> it was real, but like it was real in its clumsiness. Yeah. We don't see sci-fi movies in mainstream Indian cinema. So, what I want to know is, what do you think are the reasons for that, and what do you think the film industry can do better to, you know, explore sci-fi more? I think now there is little bit of interest because with the OTT, there's so much plurality of content that I think they might be open to sci-fi. Also, I think like two, three sci-fi series I know are coming up, so it is great. Like you know, and ours was a bigger challenge because we were the first ones trying to do it, and we went through those rounds of the studios where we were like you know, uh, 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 like pitching and like we could. see that they are absolutely not interested like you know okay acha like you know already seeing the time like you know you want to make sci-fi so uh, i think uh, one of the reason was that one is of course sci-fi the benchmark for sci-fi is this crazy hollywood blockbusters which in involves lot of vfx which basically means lot of cost that goes in also because nobody has done so there's no precedence right so with when nobody does it like you know like for example For Interstellar to exist, there are so many other space movies that existed before it, right? Yeah. So for when he says I want to make a space movie, they say, oh, he's making. They say, okay, let's see what space movie he makes. Like it's more like that. But here, if I tell you want to make a space movie, they say what? Like, but how will it look? How will the actors act? Will people understand? You know, and that whole thing is will people understand is a very big question for a lot of people. Like you know. which is uh, i think that people understand like people are way smarter than people assume they are like you know so but those are always the question that will the you know the average rickshaw goer understand because the moment you say sci-fi i mean science part of it scares of people like that will the the will the masses whatever the which i always uh, disagree with like i always felt that if your story as as i said that if the rules of the story are, cons- are consistent in the world anybody will understand like you know and people in fact would be in, in, will enjoy it it's sort of an escapist cinema that bollywood anyway is famous for which sci-fi can provide them like so but yeah so i think initially was that that the high budget one was that like will people get it and sci-fi all said and done requires a certain domain knowledge even if i mean any director can pick up a sci-fi and do it but then that amount of work they need to put in like to make it look plausible like you know you we are like sci-fi freaks like some of us are like you know we have consumed so much sci-fi we have seen so much sci-fi so that it kind of makes it less scarier like otherwise it, you know uh, and you can come up with solutions if their budgets are low if this is less so i think that also helps and i know that more it's a also practice yeah like the more you do the more you learn also like not just filmmaking but the sci-fi aspect of it the world building part of it uh so i think that kind of yeah that's also there and but i think it's all changing because i know like lot of other filmmakers are venturing into sci-fi i know lot of people who have said that we are making the sci-fi series would you be interested in writing or this or that so i know they are going ahead with those projects with or without me so i know there's lot of sci-fi that is getting made so it's very exciting it does sound exciting because i think it's such an unexplored space and it's a space that we don't we always have like you said that western sci-fi as that benchmark 
that yeah. you feel it's so unexplored there's so much you can do with it yes 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 true like we can we are making the first, if we make a spaceship film will be the first spaceship film. if we make a time travel film will be the first time travel film so that is also very exciting like to be in the you know beginning of any era like beginning of the sci-fi era of uh, hindi movies so that's a very exciting space to be in like have you ever thought of venturing into other genres uh actually my earlier films were uh, i had written another screenplay which were not sci-fi which were like actually uh, yeah so i am i also like off plate uh, you know during 2020 pandemic i did binge watch hitchcock a lot so i was very interested in very thriller uh, you know strong plot based thrillers as well so i am excited about other genres as well but currently my fascination for sci-fi is like maddening so yeah i will get to it i mean i like other stories but when i see a sci-fi story i was like okay let's do it like you know i go like that <laughs> so yeah is there any um you mentioned screenplays you've written in the past so is there any particular story that you desperately badly want to get made but it didn't get made yes there is one screenplay actually i, I will actually start crying if i start talking about it because okay. i worked very hard on that okay. <laughs> very hard on that. <laughs> yeah but it never got made uh, i mean i i know when it will get made it will be like a very beautiful story because it's a very nice story it's very gentle and delicate and it's a lovely sci-fi you know uh, so i hope it gets made yeah yeah no no i am i really want it now <laughs> now that you <laughs> mentioned this to me i i really hope it gets made and i'm sure it will be great so 55 kilometers per second is um your newest film that you have made during lockdown yeah it's a short film actually it's just an experiment i did i was sitting like this on a zoom call and uh, i was like the actor was on zoom call there was one cinematographer on zoom call there was one ad who was just you know and we just tried to shoot everything remotely uh, like using the phone camera of the actor so it had richard so in richard's case so richard was herself you know placing the camera and shooting and giving it so it was a little it was a little complicated uh, to the whole process because it being completely remote and then they would shoot and send it and i'll check on phone and then choose the best take and stuff like that but it was just an experiment i wanted to do and see how much you can create the world by just like essentially you know everybody using their phone cameras and doing everything remotely how much what we can create it was that like yeah yeah um what is the film about can you talk about it oh it's a it's a story of uh, basically a meteor is coming towards earth and today and it's been coming towards last uh, since last 25 days so today 3 pm is when it's going to hit and uh, we know all the rich people are and government people are finding ways to go into to go to space so there's a lot of air traffic people are going there and there's some people for whom the government has provided bunkers but there's a lottery system and but like for majority of people the 90% of people they know they're just going to be in their house and they're all going to die like it's there's no escape because the bunker the lottery system is just catering to few 1% or 2% of people so it's just this last few hours of a guy who gets into a call uh, with one of his friends because he's just like okay what to do and just gets on with call with a friends and he ends up uh, confessing his love for one of his older uh, one of his you know batchmates who is now married and moved on and stuff like that 
Okay, I wanted to also know about short film window because I understand you've started it. Um, I think post film school. So, yeah, yeah. So, what prompted you to start it? Yeah, I, because I always wanted to look for good short films, and I could never find it. Like, what to type on YouTube? Good short films, and then, then there's the link appears, but they were also contextless. Like, you know, I would not know what to click on, whether they are good or bad. And then I also realized that a lot of good Indians also make short films, but they are just lost in the YouTube. Like they enjoy massive popularity when it's released, and then it's just forgotten. So it just started with like let just have your repository of good short films. You know, little bit, you know, arrange little bit properly, like based on genre. Have some context on that, like who made it, what was the story behind it, and you know, some review of it, so that when you're going to watch it, at least you know. because you know you're always very resistant to try out a short film so i always felt that like you know some context would help it and then actually gradually i start it started growing like i i started with just documenting the films i liked like you know so initial films or short films are all this classical very good films like you know by big filmmakers and stuff like that but gradually also some indians uh, like you know filmmakers started submitting sometimes you know the international guys submitted their, their films to us so it's like you know just a community which very organically grew and then i stopped it when i was making cargo because there was no time to manage it and stuff but post that uh, like you know uh, when this whole 2020 thing started like the, we were all indoors i was still curious then i was like you know let's see what are the good short films in the market and let's see and again i had the same problem that okay i can't find how to search then i said okay now we let's just do that again in a more regular basis and i'm happy that we could spotlight for few good voices coming from india as well so i think that was a good plus of 2020 for us like yeah yeah i feel this kind of repository is very much needed because A second, yeah. Uh, short films are things that um, basically they're not all. You don't necessarily find them on the big platforms. You you might find yes. some, which probably yeah. were screened at festivals or they've won an Oscar yeah. or something. But yeah. anything that's sort of locally, some you know, with yeah. locally, which have you know, um, newer filmmakers trying newer things. Yeah, yeah. Generally, for me, also is hard to find. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, I never go to Netflix to watch a short film because that's not my mindset. So I always feel a smaller platform dedicated for that. When I'm like, you know, I want to see short films, then you can go there and start watching. Like, you know, that is for me always better than uh, going to Netflix because it. I would go to Netflix to watch a series or a, you know, basically entertainment that will sort me for the entire evening. So I always feel that. Uh, platform dedicated for shorts is a good idea like yeah also mm -hmm. i know that you i mean to write sci-fi you also need to read a lot of sci-fi so i've sort of i know that you like jorge luis borges and yeah. writers like that and are there any sort of um, lesser known sci-fi writers that you have read and you've never really gotten a chance to talk about Yeah, no, I, I mean, of course, Ted Chiang. I don't know. I don't know if he's lesser known. He enjoys a lot of popularity. So I really enjoyed Ted Chiang. Actually, when I started reading his stories, I connected with him so much. Then I was like, how can I connect with an author so much? Then I realized he also works for Microsoft and he writes. So I said, like, maybe <laughs> we have the same. You know, maybe the same. Uh, at least mentally, we probably studied the same things, and that's why our sci-fi, you know, clicks so well. 
so those were the thing the other uh, there's one other sci-fi writer i quite like which is greg egan you know uh, he his short stories are very good but his book permutation city was also very interesting there's one female sci-fi writer who i feel is god of sci-fi writers ursula gain if you've heard of her ursula yes. gain is like yeah so she is like just like she's written all kinds of stories in sci-fi like you know and she she is very good in examining sci-fi not just in terms of you know she has this she brings in a anthropological uh, background to sci-fi so she's very good and when you talk about different planets she's the one who can really design the species and the societal structure really good like you know i've never seen anybody else doing it as in, like she's a superstar in that field like so i'm a huge fan of her for that uh you know i also love a lot of chinese uh, sci-fi and japanese sci-fi in fact my favorite sci-fi story for this year is from a japanese japanese guy uh, it's called standing woman you know where the government if you dissent the government turns convert you into a tree so basically they plant you on the thing and then you gradually convert into tree so gradually things around you you know your body starts turning green and you know your branches start coming out but you like so it is a very slow process so first 30 40 days you're aware this is happening to you and it's very heartbreaking and uh, like and by after 10 years you become a complete tree so you're like so i thought that's like so so relevant to our times though she made it some other time and the standing woman is about a man whose wife gets converted into a tree and he does he's forbidden to go near her but she keeps watching her from far away seeing his wife gradually turn so it was so heartbreaking it was such a lovely story so you know uh, i'm forgetting the writer's name but he's the same guy who wrote paprika and you know okay. the girl who jumped through time so he's a very good uh, writer like so yeah there are a lot of writers i quite enjoy so yeah yeah so, and is there any kind of are you is there any difference you're seeing between western sci-fi writers and eastern sci-fi writers Yes, I think the con- context of it, right? Like the Western sci-fi writers, like I think they were always about a soul uh, guy exploring a world, like you know. And it is lot of Western sci-fi is around that, like that that whole that Superman uh, kind of analogy, that one man was immigrant or whatever. That's the whole thing because the societal structure is also like the unit is family unit is husband wife. But when you say Eastern sci-fi, the society unit is your you know your entire joint family is your societal unit your you know what your neighbors think and all so the whole the 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 story the way it plays out in eastern sci-fi is always a very i think it works for us as indians better than the stories that that are playing out in the western world where there is this one man rescuing and one woman finding him and stuff like that like you know and eastern sci-fi is more like that about this my family is getting broken apart and stuff like that so i like that a lot yeah yeah okay so thanks so much for doing this it was a pleasure talking to you um yeah yeah you can find our newest episodes on youtube spotify and wherever you get your podcasts follow our instagram and facebook pages for more updates in the description below